This is Anthony Arino, and you're listening to In the Arena. Step into the arena. I am not known as being a tech guy, but there are some technological solutions that I believe massively help salespeople compress the time it takes to acquire new clients. And one of those technology offerings is Zoom Info. And Zoom Info provides an amazing service. They have uh, all kinds of amazing things that they do, and they're a sponsor for the Outbound Conference. But I'm not going to talk about Zoom Info, and my guest, Chris Hayes, is the chief revenue officer there. He's also not going to talk about Zoom Info. Instead, we're going to talk about how you use data to accelerate sales. This is Chris Hayes from Zoom Info in the arena. Chris, hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good afternoon. How are you? You can hear me. That's good. Yeah, that's a start, right? <laughs> and I can hear you. Let me turn my video on here. I'm going to do this on my computer. Sure. Just to, well, I've got the Zoom room in here. I think the audio won't be as good. Is the audio okay? Your audio is okay right now. Okay, perfect. So, it's still okay. Oh, good. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this headset, and uh, that way the, it doesn't, it's not me talking to the TV. <laughs> it's a little bit, uh, the audio should actually be better. I'm, I think mine looks pretty good on this side. It looks like I'm uh, in the green there, not blowing it up too much. So that's good. Yeah, it's great. You got it's a lot going great. on, huh? Uh, yeah. Sorry about having to reschedule. I had uh, no worries. I was like, I felt like I was actually dying. There was one like the plague was going around the office for that first week. So I'm still. Uh, I've got this l- sort of sinus infection and lung thing that I've been carrying now for a couple months. Even did a, a full dose of antibiotics and didn't didn't touch it. No, you're in Texas, right? Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. That's not even close. Okay. Oh, it's in the same country. <laughs> uh, we're that close. Uh, I've got a I've got family. I've got a, a niece and uh, cousins and stuff in Columbus. We've been out there a couple of times. It's a great city. It's a really it's, cool city. I mean, it used to be the best kept secret in the Midwest, but now it's just not a secret anymore. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are uh, are flocking there now, for sure. Eighty-five thousand a year, you know. Oh, it's wow. a, you got a city of a million, and you're going up by eight and a half percent. I didn't realize it was that much. That's yeah, it's amazing. pretty heavy. We're pulling everybody out of other cities, you know, so Cleveland, Cincinnati, they're coming here, and there's just so many jobs. That's great. It's a yeah. It was uh, I think it, we drove there from at the time we were in. Uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I think it took us about eight hours to get out there. Yeah. It was, it was Pennsylvania great. is a long haul across that state. Yeah, it was a, it's a long state. I'm going to grab something to drink. I'll be back in one second, then I'll yeah. uh, get us started. Yeah, no worries. <clears throat> I switched from uh, coffee to iced teas just to maintain my caffeine level throughout the day. I just stay right on coffee. I, mean, yeah, I like coffee a lot too, but I wanted got, something cold. We've got these, at this office, we've got these cold brew machines, like the nitro and the cold brew. Um, yeah. 
the office is relatively new and I was, the guy comes at night. I was talking to him the other night as he was coming in to change out the, the cartridges or the kegs for lack of a better term. And the amount of those that we go through is, is terrifying how much we spend <laughs> on stone cold brew. It's, it's really good though. Uh, it's almost maybe too good. When I was a kid, I played rock and roll and the guitar player's dad had this house that was empty and there was a, garage that was converted into a studio behind it that we used as our rehearsal studio. And every Thursday night we'd have to take the trash down to the street. And it was just bag after bag of clanking beer bottles and beer cans. <laughs> like eight giant bags from a week of practicing. That's awesome. And no, having everybody come over, you know, we had everybody show up and hang out with us. So it was always a party. Now has Columbus always been home or have you, were yeah. you somewhere else? LA for three years when I was a kid. That's nice. It's good to be able to be in uh, one place for that amount of time, especially to watch it grow and turn yeah. into really special. Yeah, it's a good place. Well, um, we're going to talk about uh, contact information and prospecting. <clears throat> this is uh, Outbound. Uh, you're, you're the perfect sponsor because we, we, our whole focus is prospecting, pipeline, and productivity. Okay. And, and you're going to hear a pitch from Jeb Blunt on our virtual sales kickoff on Thursday about how he uses Zoom info and why you're the best. And there's, uh, it's going to be tied into very, very practical, tactical stuff. So we, we like that. So we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. And I talked to uh, Anna and she said, you're all game for this kind of conversation. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've uh, like, that's a, that's something outbound prospecting is near and dear to my heart. So I, you got a you team. That, yeah, I've got a team. I'll tell you that I'm not a, um, I'm more of an inward guy, like more operational. So yeah. I'm not the most articulate and uh, I don't do a lot of these. So if I, hopefully I do okay for you. Um, You're going to be fine. We're just going to talk about sales stuff. So yeah. And you care about that. So this should be pretty easy. And there's your coffee. And I got my coffee. It's got a, <laughs> it says zoom info on it. So that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get us started. I'm just going to say hello and then we'll get, we'll rock and roll. This is live or this is just, this is recorded for later. It's recorded. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. Is that Boston behind you? Uh, Waltham. Waltham. Uh, Waltham. Boston's a little bit further out. Uh, so you're close. Close, yeah. I mean, it's, Boston's interesting because it, they measure not things in miles, but in length of time to get there. So <laughs> uh, mileage-wise, it's close, but length of time, it's about an hour maybe. Yeah, that's right. It's not that far then. So it's probably like for an hour, let's call it three and a half miles, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on if you're going near the airport. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I, I remember I used to come out here when I was much younger before they did the big dig and it was yeah. a lot harder to get around prior to that. It's actually much better now. Boston's one of those cities though, that even when I have a GPS on, I'm, I'm still no better off. I mean, the GPS, by the time it tells me to do anything, I've already missed two exits and I'm lost. Yeah, the downtown with the different roads and the lefts and the and the roundabouts, it's a it's a confusing city and the and the areas outside of it, it's con definitely confusing to navigate for sure. Yeah, it's a, a lot different than cities that are a grid. There's no doubt about that. That's exactly well, right. I want to uh, first thank you for being a sponsor of Outbound. We're thrilled to have you. You're a, a great sponsor for this, and I want to talk about uh, specifically prospecting. And one of the challenges that you always hear from salespeople or we always hear from salespeople is how difficult it is to get good contact information. And, and one of the things that prevents them 
from doing more prospecting is the time it takes them to research and find good legitimate contact information for their prospects. And I know that this is something that you guys care deeply about. You have a company that works on this problem specifically. What are the, what are the challenges for getting good data and how should people think about, I mean, when you're thinking about uh, arming a Salesforce, I say mindset, skill set, toolkit, and the tech stack's pertinent, certainly part of the toolkit. So if you're going to accelerate it, what are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think when I put together an outbound campaign or a campaign, I'm working on identifying who the targeted accounts are. So I start at an account level and I'll generally work and say, these are the accounts that are a good fit and I'll try to rank and rate them in terms of the likelihood of them being a customer in this case of Zoom Info. So we'll start with at an account level and then we'll actually go through and try to map out who are the personas, who are the people in that account that are most likely to care about what it is that I'm selling. So for us, it would be like a vice president of sales, a marketing operations, a sales operations person, anybody with revenue in their title. Uh, and then once I understand those two pieces, then I try to go get the actual information about the company and then those specific titles in the organization. Uh, and understanding, you know, how they fit um, in that org. And then probably most importantly, if you're going to be doing an outbound campaign is around the direct dials, actually trying to make sure that you have a way to get directly to that person and those contacts within that company. Uh, and making sure that you're not inundating your team with, you know, 500 contacts, but maybe you're trying to get down to a manageable number of these are the, the 15 most likely contacts at this company that are a good fit for what it is that you're selling. Let me ask you about the title thing, because for a long time, I mean, you, you, you would look at the title, but I think the world of titles is changing so dramatically now. I mean, and, and I think that sometimes we're, we're like, because we're in sales, I want the executive vice president of sales. Maybe, but, but maybe it's the sales operations manager who is, is tasked with this. Is, are you finding that it's more difficult to just use titles as sort of the heuristic, the, the rule of thumb, get this title because we know? I mean, I'm a big proponent of trying to make yourself informed, um, and, you know, the data and in informing what it is you're trying to do. So for us, for example, we'll take a look at all of the, uh, we call them demos or events that we've created across the period of a, of a year, and then we'll, we'll track those to an outcome. Uh, were we able to get a hold of them? Did it complete? Did it turn into an opportunity? And then did the opportunity win or lose? And if it lost, why? So we'll start looking at that and then we'll take a look at the titles that started that and then the titles that we ended up bringing back into that opportunity as it progressed. So when we talk about titles, we'll generally think about a list of not three or four, but a list of, to your point, it could be 50 or 60 that we'll end up building a crosswalk and say, these are the titles that are most likely based on prior performance to be people who are going to be initial champions for our particular service and offering. And then understanding that once we start working with them, these are the titles of the people that we might need to get involved to help progress that. And if they're different, uh, a good example for us is our, our solution is uh, I'm going to use the word viral um, where if, if we can get our solution into the hands of an AE or an SDR, then they realize the value of it. They realize how empowering it is. And then they start to share that with their peers. And then that starts to become a groundswell. So we can actually start an opportunity on our side with an account executive or even an SDR. Uh, it's a little bit more work to spread out, but going in and getting in that 
getting in the door with that lower level title or that person who might not have budget and then using that to navigate up is a pretty effective strategy for us. Um, well, they're, they're to be, to be uh, frank here, they're salespeople, right? So, I mean, who do you want going and talking to somebody about what I need other than a bunch of salespeople, you know, saying, look, I'm getting really good data. It's speeding me up. That's a pr- pretty good case study for uh, a bottom up approach. It's perfect. And if we have like, we have one of the reps, like we talk about our reps in terms of people who are generally, you know, we've had people here a long time that are our top performers year over year. And when we think about them, they might not be the people who write the check or make the final decision. But I can tell you that, you know, I purchase a lot of sales tools and technology over the years. And I'll go and talk to them and say, this is what I'm thinking. Can you take a look at it? And if they evaluate it and they tell me that it's valuable for what they're doing, that has a tremendous amount of uh, credibility for me in terms of making a decision about a tech stack or, you know, maybe if we're going to jettison one as well. So finding those key contributors within an account is a, is a key element for what it is that we do. Yeah. It's interesting. It's sort of uh, the military concept of the ground truth. Like who, who knows what you need on the front line more than the people that are on the front line. I mean, certainly you can make a decision from a building, you know, far, far away from the front, but they actually are doing the work. And when they say it's working, you know, you, you want to enable that and make sure that they get more of it. Absolutely. Why, what is the, your opinion on, um, and you, you said something that interests me because it's another challenge that's pretty specific to salespeople. The, it's very easy to get the corporate phone number. Anybody can scrape that. That's easy, easily done. Uh, are you finding it to become more and more difficult to get direct dial numbers? Um, I mean, not more difficult. I think it's the way I think about it is it's actually as this space that we're in becomes more and more crowded, not my space, but the act of being software as a service sales where it's more inbound, it's more phone based and very little in like in person, it becomes more and more difficult to break through and, you know, hitting the switchboard and trying to navigate that is really challenging. Um, when you deal with a connect rate that if you're lucky, if you make 10 calls, you have three conversations. If you don't have the direct dial, it, you're down to like 10 to maybe 0.5 in a day. Yeah. So it almost becomes if you're an effective seller, if you're an effective prospector, prospecting person, if you don't have the direct dial, it almost becomes untenable to be successful. It becomes very, very difficult. What are you seeing with, I mean, out on the other coast, there, there are a lot of companies that just don't have phone numbers at all. I mean, there's not even a, a decision tree, you know, for you to get into. What, what do you think about that trend? Are you seeing that more? Uh, it is something that's happening more. We've actually, you know, in the Discover Org platform, for example, we started to add in the mobile numbers in the platform. And that is something that we're going to be bringing into the Zoom Info platform as well with the acquisition. So as people don't invest in PBXs or they invest in, you know, virtual phone systems or none at all, um, being able to get a hold of them with email and then with the mobile numbers becomes key. And mobile numbers too, as it's number portability, which dating myself that I even know that is something that <laughs> cell phone numbers are, are, are pretty permanent these days. So if you have somebody's cell phone number and they move and change jobs, if they've been an advocate for what it is you've done or sold them in the past, being able to find them and follow them to a different uh, opportunity is, is a pretty, a pretty big win as well. I, I, 
always just use the the area code as a shortcut to know where people are. And I'm like, oh, you're in Cincinnati. And they're like, no, I left Cincinnati like eight years ago. I still have a 513 though. I'm not giving up my phone number. Yeah. It's just, it's, the phone number is really sticky. Yeah. They just don't change. Like it's a, I can't, I can't even imagine how hard it would be to actually change my mobile number. It would be, yeah, it would be awful. How do you go back and take back all of the emails that have that embedded in it, that people just type your name in to find your phone number? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, use a, I use a little piece of software called EverContact. And uh, anytime somebody sends me an email, it grabs all their contact information and puts it into my contacts for me in Gmail. Oh, which that's nice. It, it is really nice because it's easy to find anything. But when I type something in my iPhone to like pull up Chris Hayes, I mean, as soon as I type C, it's got to grind through, you know, 12,000 <laughs> contacts to figure out what that is. So there's a giant lag time. And now I'm starting to rethink that, but it's really nice that it grabs all that for me. So it just pulls all the data and it's handy. Yeah, that harvesting piece is pretty valuable for sure. It is. It's nice to have them all in my, my iPhone most of the time. Other times I'm like, I probably only need like 72 numbers or something like that. Certainly <laughs> Dunbar's 150 relationships or something like that. Um, you, you have a team there and I think it's interesting, you know, to talk to, um, people that actually have a team and you're using your own products and you also have a tech stack. What, what's your opinion on sequences in, in prospecting with multiple touches across multiple people? And I know that a, a lot of people call this account-based marketing or account-based selling. Now we just, we just called it strategic targets. You know, it's what, what it was before, like be strategic. Uh, and what, what is your general feeling about what, what kind of an approach you need to really be successful at prospecting? Cause it's certainly not one call anymore. You know, I agree a hundred percent. I, when we use sequences, uh, we'll, we try not to be single threaded. So we'll, when we're doing campaigns, we'll try to get at least four to five contacts within that organization, like I mentioned before, um, and we'll map them into a persona-based sequence that's based on the company in terms of their industry or their category, and then the person's function in that uh, organization. So marketing operations for us, as an example, is a really key title. If an organization has a marketing operations title, that typically means that they're fairly advanced. They probably have some type of an Eloqua, HubSpot, or Marketo instance. They've done some type of cleaning and appending on their data, and that they're, they've got a very thoughtful campaign approach. So if we can get that person engaged, then they're interested in other things that maybe the vice president of sales or the director of sales isn't. Their interests align, but getting him or her to engage about enriching data on a form fill they're interested in that from an MQL conversion perspective, whereas the vice president of sales and the director of sales is he or she might care about the MQL conversion because it's something the company talks about, but they're ultimately caring about making sure that their leads turn into demos that turn into wins. Right. So threading the messaging with what's relevant to them within the organization is a key element. And as the sequencing technologies, whether it's sales loft or outreach, extremely powerful, um, as they become more commonplace, they also become a, a little bit more watered down. It's harder to break through uh, the noise that they can cause. So what we also do is it's, way, it's much easier to drop people into an email-only sequence, and you can step back and watch, and hopefully people reply back and want to have a conversation. But the sequences, in my opinion, that are the most valuable are the ones that are not single-threaded from a person or even a touch point 
perspective. So email, call, call, email, those call motions are super important. So I get, uh, it's probably a hundred or so sequences a week from people selling. And the people who actually pick up the phone and call me in those sequences are the vast minority. It's, it's, it's one out of a hundred if it's that many. Absolutely. And, I, and those are the people that will typically break through and will get on my radar. And then even taking that a step further, I'm a big proponent and it's somewhat old school is voicemail. Like leaving somebody a voicemail, to me, if you've taken the time to call and they haven't picked up, if you don't leave them a voicemail, they, you, you might not actually get the benefit of that call, of knowing that. Right. Do you knock on people's door and run? <laughs> I mean, no, you want them to know you were there. You leave a note or something. Look, I stopped by to see you. Uh, call you analogy. You're going to do something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you would waste the call when you could give them a, a good 60-second pitch about what kind of value you intend to create for them and what you can share with them that might help them. If, um, and what I, train, what I train my team on is when they leave a voicemail is basically say, hey, this is Chris Hayes. I'm with Zoom Info. Say those two things yeah. in the first five seconds because that might be the only thing that they listen to. This is Chris Hayes with Zoom Info. Okay, delete. I need to move on to my next one. But now they've known Chris Hayes Zoom Info. So if I've deleted five of those messages over the past week and a half, if you then call me and connect and go, hey, Chris, it's Chris Hayes with Zoom Info. At that point in time, I've listened to all your voicemails. Like maybe only three seconds, but I know you've been putting in the effort. So you've got me now. I'm going to give you the time to actually talk to me. Um, I just heard from a, a rep last week who uh, got a deal. And when she met with the, the key contact, the contact said, the turnover in your industry is so atrocious. I never take a meeting with the sales rep until they've been in their job for at least eight months. That's and, great. And, and literally just said, in, you got to the eight month mark and you've been so persistent and your, your emails have always been so positive. I'm going to have a meeting with you. And she won the deal that way. So there's something to be said for being known and Absolutely. for having that persistence. I want to take a couple minutes and, and talk about what you just said. I like phone first and then email because on the phone, if you're concerned about trading your time for the value that I have to offer for you, I at least have a chance to restate my case. On an email, I don't get to rebut your decision. Like, I'm not sure that's enough value. But I like phone, then phone, then phone, then email. But I'm, I'm older school than you are probably. <laughs> uh, I, I want to win and I, I want to do what it takes to win in persistence and being in the, in the conversation is valuable. But you, you started to talk about uh, what is an MQL. And I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in the conversation about MQLs and SQLs. Uh, because I, I see this, this conflict between sales and marketing that I don't even think should even be a discussion at all. Uh, and the rep says something like, well, that lead's not qualified. They're not ready to buy. I'm like, well, if they were ready to buy, they'd just be placing an order on a form, right? I mean, you, you, we're handing them to you because we think they need somebody to help them make the decision to buy. And they're like, yeah, but you never know if they're good. Yeah, right. You never know. So what should you do if you don't, I mean, if you get a lottery ticket, you're like, well, I don't, I'm not going to scratch that thing. It's probably a loser. No, you're <laughs> going to scratch it, right? You're going to take a look and say, I at least took a look at it. And uh, I think I stole that from Andy Paul, but that, that is, I mean, you, you got to look and see. So this, this marketing qualified, I think that the, the thing that I see is the marketing people want to make a case that it's qualified by saying, well, they downloaded this white paper and the title's right. Well, does that mean that they have an interest in changing what they're doing? Maybe, 
but probably not. I mean, there's a lot of people that download a lot of things. And then the salesperson says that what's not qualified. Well, are you going to work on them? I mean, even if they're not interested in buying right now, wouldn't you rather have a call, find out where they are, make sure that they know who you are, try to create some value for them. So later on you can develop a relationship and when they want to change your known to your point on the voicemail. Absolutely. I think like what we do on our side is we actually have the MQLs and we break them into hot and warm MQLs. So a hot is also an analogous to a hand raiser or a form fill. And uh, those, they're not all great, but those are probably the best that we get. And, you know, we're a big proponent, nothing special, but we're a big proponent of speed to lead. So we try to get back to the form fills measured in seconds, not even minutes. And by and large, we're able to do that. Um, I love that. I love that. I mean, seconds rather than minutes is aggressive. It means I care deeply about taking care of this person. And I love to hear from people like, I love to hear, Hey, I just, I just hit enter. I just, I just did that. And you just called me. It's a, it's a point <laughs> of pride. Um, We're watching. <laughs> and then on the warm MQLs, like we have a, we talk about the target and target accounts. So we have a firmographic technographic score that we run. And then we look at their behavior and uh, when they pass that behavior threshold and they're a good fit account, they move into a warm MQL and it's not the same speed to lead. If we have capacity, we will try to engage that person as quickly as possible. Um, but both of those, we make money off of both of those types of leads and we measure our conversion rate by week, by month from um, demo booked to demo completed to op created to op one or op lost. So we know historically over the past two years what each of those channels does for us uh, and we mo we make money off of both. Um, and to your point, I love I love the expression if in the lottery the lottery the scratch off ticket. That's a great analogy. Yeah, I think I stole that from Andy Paul. Give him credit for that. I think that's where that came from. But I I think it's right. I mean, you you don't know, so you check. And you know, worst case scenario, they now know who you are, and you can put some notes in the database, and now you can try to nurture them. And if it's somebody that's a target account, I'll just uh, I'll share this with you. I spoke to this company and earlier this year out West and they have all these things like you have a lot of technology, a lot of seeing things coming in and a lot of lead generation. And they had two of their dream clients fill out a form and now they had their email addresses and they were so excited to get the email address. I mean, they were like, we've got their email addresses. <laughs> and, and I said, well, if you believe so strongly that what you could do for them would help them tremendously, why don't you just call them and ask them for a meeting? And they looked at me like I was, uh, you know, just let out of a, a, a hospital or something. They're like, just call them? Yeah, why, don't you, why did you wait until, I mean, so you waited a year for them to respond to something and give you their email address. Why not target them and call? But they have a, a very inbound kind of mindset that uh, one of the reasons I was there is to help them change their mindset. Why not just try to help the people that your whole solution is designed to help and let them know you exist? But they were, I mean, the email's not that hard to get. You could have got it and with uh, Zoom Info. You might have been able to get that in a couple minutes and, and not waited for a year and hope that that happens. Um, let me take the last couple minutes. And first, I, again, I want to say thank you for being our sponsor at Outbound. It's going to be great to have you guys there. You're a, a product, a service that we believe in, and uh, you're a perfect fit for us. 
but you are now um, acquired by Discover Org. When did that happen? I think the, the deal closed right at the beginning of February. So February okay. 1st, I think we uh, was, was when the deal actually closed. Yeah. And is there, is there so much overlap or is there going to be something that you're bringing to them that's going to make the combined entity far greater than the individual pieces? It, absolutely. I think one of the things that when we came together, the amount or, or the amount of overlap was, so, was much smaller than we expected. Um, we had a few accounts where people had invested in both which was great. I mean, that, that's the type of company that's really on the forefront of understanding how data and information helps inform their process. Yep. And when we peeled that back, the actual level of overlap at the user level in those accounts was, was very, very small. So uh, <laughs> there, were cus- there were customers buying Discover Org for a certain use case, and then they were buying Zoom Info for another use case. And the plan for us right now is to actually come together with a combined platform uh, that we'll be in the marketplace with. And uh, that should happen in 2019, where we bring kind of the depth of data that Zoom Info had, the amount of data that Zoom has is bar none, best in class. And then the overall breadth of data that Discover Org brings to the market in terms of org charts, intent data, scoops, et cetera, bringing those together so that customers can not have to go out and buy one or the other, but can buy the parts of those offerings that they need to be successful in the market. So this is one, one plus one is five. It's, it's tremendous. And we're yeah. in the first, in the first month when we started to work as a sales organization, cause I still have sellers that are selling zoom info and I still have sellers selling DO, but we're now working together to provide customers in this interim solution, this interim state with the best possible solution. So we're collaborating together and like we're, the amount of value that we're delivering in the marketplace is just, it's, it's more than I think we even imagined. Wow. That's exciting. It really is. I'm, um, it's, ex- it's exciting to be a part of it. I don't, not that everybody gets to be a part of something like that. It's, it's exciting to be, to be a part of it for sure. Yeah. And it's a growing uh, space too. And so taking the dominant role in that space is important. Yeah. I feel a lot like uh, I, I use the phrase, you know, we all want to be informed. So anything that we do in life, the more informed we are, we feel like the better the outcome. And what it is that we do, DO and Zoom together now, is we help inform people about what they should be doing, who they should be doing it to, and how to do it. And that's, to me, at the forefront of what sales is and where sales is going. Yeah, I I agree completely. The more I know and the more I understand how to think about that client, the, the better work I can do once I'm face-to-face or even just getting somebody on the phone and knowing how to talk to them. Absolutely. Well, it was, it was, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully I'll see you in Atlanta. I don't know who's getting these tickets, but you guys are uh, your sponsor. So we're going to see some people there representing Zoom Info. I do yeah. think it's going to be me. I think I'll get to meet you in person. Oh, great. You're going to have so much fun. This is the, this is the best show I'm, I'm very specifically biased towards this show, but when you got Jeb Blunt and Mike Weinberg and Mark Hunter and Jeffrey Gittimer and Bob Berg and Victor Antonio, Colleen Francis, Andrea Waltz, there just isn't a, a better main stage uh, anywhere on earth. I mean, we've got the best main stage and then we've got the best workshop. So you're going to have a good time and you're going to have a lot of people uh, that want to talk to you about what you do. Yeah, that's good. Definitely an all-star cast. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. 
That was Chris Hayes, and you can find him at Zoom Info. You want to go check them out, look in the show notes, and uh, do go out and visit them. They are the very best in the business. I'm Anthony Anarino. You can find me at thesalesblog.com, where I write and post every single day. You can also find me at youtube.com forward slash Anarino. There are over 300 videos there all around sales, success, management, and leadership and productivity. So go check that out. When you go out to either of those sites, please subscribe and make sure that you do go to thesalesblog.com forward slash newsletter and get my best work every week in your inbox Sunday morning so you can hit the ground running on Monday. Also, if you want to train your team, go to b2bsalestraining.com and check out the Sales Accelerator. And if you're concerned about your productivity, b2bsalestoolkit.com. I'm Anthony Anarino, and I will see you next time in the arena.